Hello, and welcome to a live Curfew Break on Deep Program with Carrie Smith. I'm Carrie Smith. I'm here with my co-host today, Cameron Pasha. How are what you, What an honor to be back on. I've been away from uh, YouTube for a very long time, and I've been away from your wonderful channel, so I'm just delighted to be back. I'm so happy to see you, as I told you before we started, because I haven't talked to you in a while. I've missed you, and I want to hear what your Ramadan was like, mm -hmm. uh, and then we can talk about what's been going on in the world. Before we yeah. get into that, because I always forget, this is still a relatively new channel. If you like it, please hit like and subscribe. Please share it with your friends. We have um, numerous ways to support the show. If you if you want to uh, help us support the show financially, we have a Patreon, a Locals, and a Subscribe Star. You can find it under Deprogrammed. And if you don't like YouTube, the episodes are up on Rumble and Odyssey, so you can also watch there. And I think that's it. So, Cameron. <laughs> I forget. It's such a, it's such a delight I, to see you again. And you have a lovely hat, as always, the lady of the hats. Uh, yeah. So I was at this weekend, I was at mm -hmm. Fan Expo in Dallas mm -hmm. and hanging mm -hmm. out with the Nerdrotic guys, mm -hmm. the Geeks and Gamer guys. It was so mm -hmm. much fun. Uh, there were, I met so many people. Like they have, they have created this, this fan base. Uh, it's just amazing. They're, they, they must have had 300 people at their meetup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every person there, uh, if there are any people watching, I really enjoyed meeting all of you. And it took an hour to get to the bathroom in a good way because every person's wanting to talk, stop and talk to you. And um, yeah, you were being mobbed, I'm sure. It was everything from just fun, you know, mm -hmm. casual conversation to some very serious conversations with people who want to tell me about their story or their mm -hmm. situation. And, um, and then at the at the convention the next two days, I just kept running into people like that who who had I met so many people who had their own story of walking away from the left, and yeah. some of them very recently, and that's always encouraging because you're like oh yeah it's it's, it's accelerating Carrie I mean it's accelerating yeah. because now because of people like you it's becoming safer to say it, it's safer to it go down safer. that path yeah it's not fully and safe but it's safer it's safer and they and also I think they know. Like someone was saying to me, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what I am. I don't know if I'm a liberal or conservative anymore. I've, I, and, I, and it doesn't matter. That's why well, I said no, no, there's no liberal yeah. or conservative. Now yeah. it, it's normal people and authoritarians. That's all it is. There's nothing else. Yeah. Normal people fall into the range That's of what I said. That's it. Yeah, I said it doesn't matter if you, you don't have to figure out the political, what you call yourself. All you know is that you are relatively sane. Congratulations. <laughs> like you're good. You're here with relatively sane people. We don't have to agree on everything and you can make connections in, in real life, you know, off, we, we agree on the basic yeah. elements of reality, right? We yes. agree on the basic elements of reality, right? And we'll get to that at some point in this conversation about how this, where the tipping point from the liberal conservative dichotomy to normal versus uh, crazy authoritarian became with the effort to redefine reality. Mm -hmm. Yes, that it, it is. I, I'm almost I got to a point where I started calling it Cameron uh, mm -hmm. authoritarians versus libertarians. That's the best way for me to look at the world right now. But I think that's I'm, I'm moved, leading towards looking at it that way, which is just do you live in reality or no? <laughs> <laughs> like, so <laughs> I just want to talk to people that live in reality mostly. Um, yeah, what else? Oh, I saw my friend, Julia Mann, who's a one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. She's a great artist. She sells her art at the at the cons. And you guys, 
uh, it was so wonderful to see her her element. I've seen her at a couple of, of cons before this one, but this was the yep. biggest one I've seen her what, at. What kind of art does she do? What kind of art? Oh, let me show you. I can put it on the screen. Yeah. Hold on. So the thing about her art that I think works so well at Comic-Con, the reason why she does so well there is because, well, there's a lot of dark art at Comic-Con, which I also like. I like dark art. Mm -hmm. I own yeah, dark sure. art. You got a little bit of goth girl still in you. She's still there. <laughs> Julie Man art real. That's her. But her art stands out though, because there is so much sort of darker themed art. And her art is more um joyful and lighthearted. Yep. It reminds you of childhood. There's it's nostalgic. Mm -hmm. So right. let me let me share this with you. And so Please. people flock to her booth, I think, because it's just so different than the other art that's there. And, and she's so talented. She does color pencils. So can you see this? Uh, let's see. Something's coming up here. Uh, yeah. Julie, Julie, Julia, Julia Man. Julia Mann. Art Got yeah. it. Julia Mann Art Okay. Yeah. She had to create a new Instagram. Somebody, ha somebody hacked her old one. She had to start all over. Okay. So this is, so she does a lot of characters. Yeah. Like here's the Monty Python. Um, yeah. She loves Audrey Hepburn. She has a lot of Audrey Hepburn and Star Wars. And, Star Wars what's going on here. Yeah. Um, what's great, I can see in her art, is there's a lot of emotion in her pictures. You can feel it. Yes. There's Lucy and Ethel. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then she also has a mermaid series where she does like oh, Princess okay. Leia and stuff as mermaids. And these right. kind of realistic ones, like there's Matthew McConaughey. So she has two mm -hmm. styles. Anyway, I could talk about her forever. Everybody's oh, probably like, why? Wonderful. Thank you for introducing but, me to new artists. People should go check out her Instagram and, and buy her work. Yeah. So that's that's my friend Julia. And she was there. And uh, I got to hang out with her. And yeah, like I said, see her, in her, see her doing her thing. And um, people were responding to it. And then I saw Gina Carano's panel. And Gina Carano... It was amazing. I haven't heard her uh, speak at length before. Yep. And it was great. She basically, she was talking about how, um, I'm going to paraphrase, but mm -hmm. she was saying, you know, she went through this cancellation. She started her own mm -hmm. thing. She did her own thing with the Daily Wire, did yep. this new movie, Terror yep. on the Prairie, which I haven't seen yet. But she was saying, I had a choice where, so she, after she her cancellation, mm -hmm. she was about to start an, another industry film. And then they were told that she and the other actors might have to um, uh, get the get the vaccine, that they might do a vax mandate, that SAG after mm -hmm. was going to maybe do that. And she yeah. said, "Well, that's that's not good with me. Like, I I believe it, it shouldn't be controversial that you should get to make your own medical decisions." And so, at that point, it she didn't decided, used to be. It didn't huh? used to be controversial. It did not used to be controversial. Correct. Again, normal versus authoritarian. Normal versus authoritarian. Yes, exactly. <laughs> normal. So she is normal. And so she decided not to do that film and instead uh, did her own thing with the Daily Wire. That was where they didn't have to have those rules. Mm -hmm. um, and she sort of said this thing that I just loved. It was it was basically about how you can choose the you can choose that path that's harder. It's mm -hmm. a harder path where you stay true to yourself and, and what you believe is right. And maybe it's not as lucrative and maybe it's not as easy, but you respect yourself. She was like, I respect myself after yeah. these past two years, or you can go the other route, which is easier in some ways, but, and maybe more lucrative, but you lose your self-respect and you conform. But, but, that, but that's always been Hollywood, you know, and she's yeah. right. And, you know, th th that choice 
you know, that that forbidden fruit is offered to you very well. I always goes back to the silent films. That's how this industry has always been structured, right? To uh, to tempt people to give up their souls for attention, for glamour, for all those things, right? It's always been structured that way. It's just now very overt. It used to be covert in the in the way that you know the casting couch was hidden. Now it's yeah. open, right? And then then they had to find a way to get the attention off of it, which was yeah. me too, which we can get to. So yeah. Hey, Epic Mike. Do you know him? He's awesome. He says, you're right. He says, hey, Carrie, excited to see Cameron. He's awesome. It's great. It's great. Pleasure. I don't know though our paths have crossed with Epic Mike. You know, I've been away from YouTube for a while, uh, you know, and uh, and I'm being very selective about where I come back to. And yours is one of the very few channels. You know, it, it's, it was an interesting journey. For I was on YouTube for a couple of years and had good experiences and bad experiences. Uh, some of it affected my career. So I'm just very, very careful where I come. And this is one channel that I trust. So. So what have you been up to since we saw you last? Because you took a break. Yeah, I took, a, I took a break for a couple of months. You know, I took a break initially for Ramadan, which is the sacred Muslim month, you know, you fast month. I fasted for about a week. Uh, and then unfortunately, I had a major medical issue. I don't think you knew about this. I ended up in the hospital. No, so, I didn't know about this. Yeah, no, I was in the hospital for a week. And I don't like doctors. I don't like hospitals. Uh, and it wasn't related to the fasting. It was something that had been building up that I didn't know. Uh, for some time. I mean, I thought I was having a heart attack. I felt this incredible pain. Uh, I was literally by my heart and it wasn't going away. I was like, this isn't good. This isn't normal. And so I went to the emergency room and it turned out to be pancreatitis, which is incredibly painful. It's inflamed pancreas, right? Uh, and uh, and that was apparently I had very high triglycerides and it built up uh, over the last two years. Guess what's happened over the last year is a lot of stress, a lot of madness, yeah. right? a lot of chaos. And that stress went into, I've always been somebody that that hides his stress and keeps a pretty happy face and then it goes into my body and so this this is apparently built up and so yeah it was it was a bit of a scary experience uh but i got through that and then uh yeah i've been you know we went through this this uh after that uh, the april may and i guess i don't know how much longer it's going to be like that but historically april may was the staffing season for television where for the network shows is when they pretty much staff them uh and i did a bunch of interviews and i was up for a job. In fact, I've been told you're going to get a job on this show uh, that I was very excited about. Uh, it was the LA Law uh, reboot that was coming on ABC. And I read the pilot. I knew the showrunner very well, Mark Guggenheim, who created Arrow. And uh, I knew him very well as a friend of mine. And uh, and the pilot was incredible. I read the script. If you remember LA Law when we were kids, remember how you know that show was so cutting edge and controversial, but it was always balanced. Like, you, like a good legal show, you would have all different points of view, right? And that what this pilot was. It was you had, you know, this was 30 years later in the law firm, right? And now, but it was reflective of where the young lawyers in the firm were. Like you had, you act, you know, you had your 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 standard woke young lawyers, you even had a trans lawyer. But it was interesting. The trans lawyer was actually a sophisticated character, not just your, I'm here to, you know, the way Hollywood presents it. I'm just an oppressed person, right? It was a it was a complex character. And then there was a conservative character who was very openly Republican and very openly conservative. So it was it was like the original show. And it had lots of fun, wacky moments. Like, so I was so excited. And one of the reasons I they said, we want you on the show is I was very open. I said, if you hire me, I'm going to bring the conservative point of view to this, right? I'm going to be the one in the room that's going to argue. Because even in the pilot, I found some, like there were some references to to mask holes and things like that. I was like, guess what? These people don't think they're mask holes. They have very legitimate reasons for thinking the mask don't work. Here's 20 scientific studies, right? And you know, I'm the only one in the room that's going to point that out to you. Because, yes, because they don't have they don't know a lot of those people probably. Yeah, they don't know any of those people. In fact, I would have been the only one. They were like, literally, there's studies that suggest masks don't stop a virus. I was like, hey, I might want to read a few. <laughs> yeah. About 50 of them. 
right? There's some RCT tests you should read about. They didn't, they weren't aware, right? And the yeah. fact that I had the balls to do that in the job interview and, uh, you know, that was unafraid to do it and say, look, you're going to need me in this room because I'm going to make these other characters authentic. And they had a whole arc they're going to do about, about slavery reparations. I said, if you're going to do this arc, then you're the one who's going to have to argue against the slavery reparations. You have to have a black lawyer who's a conservative. And they're like, oh, black conservatives? I'm like, yeah, they're black Yeah, they exist. <laughs> I suggest you go back and read Malcolm X. He would have been against reparations because he said, "This is Malcolm X, the first person that said systemic racism. We, you know, the Plymouth Rock landed on us. But his solution was not the progressive solution. The solution was empower yourself, start your own business, don't take money from the government, get off of welfare, get off of alcohol. That's a conservative solution, right? So I said, yeah. this is, you know, because Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas says Malcolm X is one of his primary inspirations when he became a young lawyer, right? So I said, why don't you go read some Malcolm X? Maybe you have that character be the one that argues against reparations, right? And so- And I bet they were like, Malcolm X, conservative? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I mean you know, I'm a big follower of Malcolm X. And the tragedy now is you know, all these wokers like having Malcolm X cast. I was like, I, I, one of the funny things I saw on Twitter was some some dude who like, are, you know, he had like double masks and arguing about mask holes. He's an African-American dude. And he had a, he, he had a Malcolm X shirt. I was like, Dude, Malcolm X won't be wearing no mask. He was talking about the government's lying to you, the media's lying to you. Don't listen to these guys. He's lying. He's a, he's a, you think he's gonna wear some mask? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like you don't even know you're you don't know what you're talking you're about. Appropriating yeah. it. This is cultural appropriation. You're <laughs> to represent something that's the opposite of what he was. You know, I remember some uh, some rappers were using Malcolm X in some of their, you know, in their covers of their albums a few years ago, and they were doing very violent, very negative rap, you know, with a lot of with a lot of let's just say misogyny and that kind of stuff, that kind of rap. And and his daughters were like, this is what my father was about. Oh, there's a religious guy. Well, get, get his pictures off of your stuff. So, but that, going back to- They the, culturally I, appropriate I, a lot. They do the they same with, with books, like Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, uh, 1984. I mean, all these, I, every time I see them wearing stuff like the Wokies, you know, wearing yeah, stuff they're, like they're that. They're appropriate 1984? 1984 yeah, is um, a big band. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. The right wing. <laughs> but you know the funny thing is you you mentioned you mentioned 1984 you know people are saying you know we're living in 1984 we're living in brave new world you want to know the truth we're living in v we're living in v right we're living in a oh. world run by reptilian aliens it turns out that yeah. was true <laughs> it's v. like 1984 that's not where we are we're in v man <laughs> i used to have the whole vhs set of v the original v like it's like eight VHS tapes, you know. Well, you know, but look at that. That was such a prescient show, aside from the reptilian aliens, which one can argue about. That was a prescient show because it showed how these people come as saviors, they're say all the right things, and they're slowly and steadily take away your rights. And that anyone who's pointing it out, you know, the media has taken over. So that there was that whole thing, their famous moment in V when somebody jumps on national television, live television, and rips off one of the aliens' faces and reveals it's a reptile, right? right. And then the result, the next the next episode was like, oh, nobody believed that because they just said that was that was fake news. That was, yes. that was special effects. Because the media said that wasn't real, right? Ah, oh, you're right. I need to go back and watch that scene. That is so. 40 years ahead of its time. Yeah. That, that I need to go back and rewatch that. And our reptilian overall is like, hey, man, you know, I hope nobody notices this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like we can just say it didn't happen don't worry which is like so much that's that's going on now um so what else did you do i know that you found so yeah so on that ellie law didn't right. work out so maybe made her uh, 
ultimately ABC did not greenlight the show. Uh, and it was because, you know, I've talked a lot about this in other channels about, about Mr. Chapek, Bob Chapek. You know, he's been trying to pull Disney out of politics. And this was actually one of the victims of that, where you know, the show would have been political. It would have been political in a good way because it would go back to what LA Law used to do, which was have those old water cooler arguments about stuff, right? I went back and watched the original LA Law pilot from 1989 or whatever it was, right? There was a trans character in the pilot in 1989. What? And, you know, and that was, it was somebody at the firm who got fired. And there was a whole discussion about that, right? That they had, are you misrepresenting who you are? That's in 1989, right? And so this show was water cooler, and it would have been. But Chapek's like, I just want to go back to making money. I don't want to argue about any right-wing, left-wing trans. I want any of this stuff. And so that was show became a victim of that, which is unfortunate because I think we actually need that conversation because we're not having any more conversation. It's just here's the official mantra. There's no debate. Yeah, it would be great to have have one that's that's actually the, in the way that you're describing it. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it might have been something where they present multiple points of view with because as you're describing, oh, there's a woke lawyer, there's a trans lawyer, a conservative lawyer, and. I'm thinking, okay, but are they going to be pushing the narrative too, which is that the conservative lawyer is the asshole and that the- And they would have, are, except I was going to be on the show, I right? Know. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely wanted me there because nobody else was going to defend yeah. that character. <laughs> I was going to do it. So I think the way you're describing it could have actually, if it went that way, where it was sort of like, let's do a balanced uh, portrayal and then the audience can make up their mind about different issues. You know, like you said, a water cooler kind of show, that would have been good. I haven't seen a show like that in a long time. I mean, we haven't even, even I went back as I was preparing for the show, I went back and started watching some of the old SVUs and whatever that I loved, you know, so on SVU and you know, the, the original show was great, but then I was watching a recent one, uh, a recent episode of SVU from like a year ago. And it was all about like shaming the main character for being white. I was like, what, how has SVU gotten here? Right. You know, there's a whole thing about, you know, she had to face her white privilege. I was like, how did SVU get here? <laughs> Oh, God. How boring. Argate has to go along with this. Yeah. That's I it's just so lazy too. And it's so late. By the way, I part of being an, an old school SJW who walked away, part of it is just annoyance when you see it when you see new Wokies trying to tell you about stuff. They encounter me. They think I just haven't heard about white privilege yet. They want to tell me about it, and I'm like, "Look, dude, I, 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 I was a, I was a convert in the year, in the year 2000. Actually, it was earlier than that. It was the year 1997. Ooh, you were a Clintonite um, lefty. Okay, I got woke in '97. Okay, I that's when I learned about white privilege. Don't try to come at me in 2020 and be like, "Have you heard the news?" <laughs> like. You're but remember, this generation, nothing existed before 2008. Nothing yeah. existed before 2008. Before Obama right. was elected, nothing existed. I was like, but even then, they don't remember. Remember Obama didn't support gay marriage? Remember that, Obama? <laughs> yeah. They don't know. They don't nothing know existed before 2016 in reality. So. I heard, I was walking behind some millennials uh, mm -hmm. yesterday. I'm trying to remember where I was, where it's been a whirlwind couple of days. Oh, it was at the convention. It was at Fan Expo. Yeah. And these young kids were in front of me. Um, we walking through the parking lot and I heard them having a conversation and one of them asked the other, he's like, what's, what's Obama's first name? And they were thinking they could. And then one of them was like, I think it's Barack. And, and I'm yeah. like, oh, these kids are so young. <laughs> yeah.
Uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was in a songwriting class. I, I do some songwriting on the side. I was in a songwriting class, and there was this lovely, lovely young girl, must have been like 20, 21, who was singing, and she was great. And I was like, and I said to her, you know, that re that you know that song you just did, it, it has a very vibe of the police and like night synchronicity in 1980, early 80s. She's like, who are they? I was like, <laughs> who's Sting? I was like, she was like, your singer, your singer, defund them, defund them. No. <laughs> okay, every breath you take could, every breath you take would be canceled today. You couldn't do that song. It's about stalking. <laughs> Actually, I've, I have seen that. I've seen some critiques saying it's about stalking. It is. Well, the thing is, Stig thought it was about stalking, so he does yeah. other songs. If you love someone, set someone free. If you love them, which is not as good a song <laughs> as every breath you take. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of a stalking song. Um, okay. So you didn't get, unfortunately, no, I, didn't get, didn't I, I, I didn't get that. And, uh, but I'm working on some other stuff. I cannot reveal it, but I will say this. I've got a major, major project by God's grace. I've sold to, uh, to a major network and I'm currently working on the, the rewrite of the pilot for them. And so hopefully I can get that actually on the air, um, in the very near future. But, uh, that's one of the reasons I've been very judicious about where I'm coming to on YouTube, because they actually said to me, the, the network is actually like, we're, we love your social media. Instagram, you know, it was like, they were telling me they're following. They're following without actually clicking join, right? They're like, they're like, oh, it was a really great article you did on, on, on your Facebook. I was like, oh, you're, you're watching, huh? Okay. They would set a little indication. We're keeping an eye. Be careful. You want to so, work with us, be careful. So the, yeah, I go, you know, I'm, I'm being straight here. Hopefully they don't know about your channel. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think they would think of my channel was terrible? Probably. They'd probably yeah. find an issue with it's it. Not in the Epic Times, and the Epic Times is, is portrayed as a right-wing rag. It's actually... It's actually a pretty good paper, I think. I mean, it's actually a voice. There's no other voice right now against communism. It's one voice. Yeah. Uh, that's an update, by the way. Mm -hmm. Very. We there was there there was an Epoch Times article. I haven't even had time to post about it on the D program social yet social jet, but that was came out last week. Um, and and I thought he did a very good job, and I really like the guy. I talked to him for a while afterwards about other stuff. Uh, like, but I like the reporter there. Well, it, it uh, was it was a necessary paper because it originally rose just purely as an anti-communist party, anti-Chinese communist party paper, and then as a result, it was the only thing standing up to the rise of authoritarianism that happened in American culture. Yeah, I don't even know the history of it. I know that people call, I know that people on the left call it Russian propaganda, yeah. but they call me Russian propaganda, <laughs> so. I don't take that seriously anymore. I'm kind of like, uh. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's at this point, it's standard, you know, it's like, it's like, I, you know, what's happening for now, now the news is like, uh, Ukraine's actually losing. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, I knew that like a month and a half ago, right. I was like, Russia, Russia's got, Russia's going to win. Right. I mean, it's, it's going to win. I mean, it's a, it's a superpower of nuclear weapons. It's going to win. Right. And people are like, Oh no, it's going to beat the Russians. I'm like, that's not possible. This is in Afghanistan where they've got mountains to hide in and 2,000 years of guerrilla culture, <laughs> fighting culture. These are This is Ukraine, which has always been the invasion route, right? The new, Napoleon goes through there, right? You know, they, Hitler goes through there. It's always been the invasion route into Russia. That's why Russia sees it as a, as a security uh, threat. Uh, I have, I'll share with you, I have um, a former girlfriend who's Ukrainian, from Ukraine. The night that the invasion began, which was like February 22nd, 23rd, right? I heard about it. I immediately FaceTimed her. She was in Kiev and I could hear the jets and the bombs in the background as I'm FaceTiming her. And she was obviously panicking and terrified. And then I didn't hear from her for 10 more days. And then 10 days later, uh, she calls me and, or, you know, we're, she's in Romania. She had to take her teenage niece and walk from Kiev 
because you don't want to be in a car. You might get bombed in a car. So, yeah, she walked from Kiev with her teenage niece to the border of Romania, which is a week's walk, right? Wow. With a crowd. And now she's in Romania. So yeah, my obviously I don't like war and I have someone who's directly impacted by this that I care about, right? I also objectively knew that Russia is going to win. And for several months, we're like, we're being told, well, the Russians are being defeated. They're being pushed back on. That's not reality. And now the news is like, well, maybe they're winning. <laughs> and so, you know, eventually even, you know, because they don't, the day when, when, when Ukraine surrenders, which is coming, right? They can't, they, they have to get the audience they've lied to for two months ready for that day, right? Mm. And so you're seeing the shift now on the Russia propaganda. Yeah. So. I, you know, I, I haven't even heard a lot about Ukraine lately because it seems like the news just tends to move through these cycles of what's, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, whatever's trending at the moment. Yeah, and so <clears throat> here with June, pretty much all I've seen has been kind of woke uh, LGBT plus stuff. Well, have you have you seen have you seen the, the the meme the meme of like the you know of the Grim Reaper going through the different doors and you know first he go first he goes through you know the the, the COVID door then he goes through the Russia door then he's like I'm done he goes Ukraine door then he's like I'm done with that then he then he goes to the abortion door then he's going no. then he's going to the you know the LGBT he's like, it's literally he's like you know sorry I'm done with you guys nobody cares about you no more and every door he just keeps going. That's so I've I've seen that meme before a couple years ago done differently, but that's an excellent way to update it because that is a, that is exactly what's happening. I don't know why he hasn't done the he hasn't done the monkeypox store yet. We thought he was gonna go. He hovered at the monkeypox store like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but, but they, have, if you've seen like they, someone posted because I remember seeing them at the I remember I intuitively knew something bad was coming where you would see every year Time Magazine would do like. The pandemic that is coming and he did that for like 15 years and somebody posted like every cover that 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 pan magazine did of the world changing pandemic that is coming right and then you know and all the uh, all the uh, various things you know swine flu and all those things and none of them panned out but i remember i remember when a couple of, about just about a, maybe a year or two years before uh before covid i remember when they started doing the ebola's coming back and then it, oh. then it vanished about a week and i thought to my, at the time i was like it's a trial run it's a trial run for something why, why is yeah. a bull ain't no problem? Why is this being brought into the news like this? And they were saying, we're going to have to shut down the whole planet. And then a week later, they stopped talking about it, right? So I was like, what, what? So they were prepping us for a decade that, you know, something's coming that we're going to shut the planet down. Swine flu, I thought, was in some ways a trial run to see if they could get us all to wear masks and stuff. Yeah. It didn't and work people, then. Yeah, it didn't but, work you know, then. People kind of disregarded it. You needed the combination of uh, of an effort to remove Trump and other things to make all that stuff. I mean, it literally, yeah. had Hillary won, we might all be dead with nuclear war, but had Hillary won, they probably wouldn't have had me to go down that road. Isn't that amazing how they linked it? You're so right. They linked it all. They linked the response and the authoritarian measures they were trying to push. Mm -hmm. They linked it to the existing red-blue tribalism that is also mm -hmm. kind of a farce. And they linked it to that and used that to fuel it. So at the beginning, I've said this many times, but just to remind people, I'm sorry if you've heard this before. If you're new to my channel, maybe you haven't heard it. In my little town in Texas, the people who were protesting these authoritarian measures, every week we had protesters on the square in Georgetown protesting the mask. A lot of them, most of them were lefties. They were the yeah. crystal wearing, incense burning, hippies who go I mean, the to old school lefties yes. that didn't trust the government, like the actual lefties. The, yes. the ones that, that believe the Vietnam War was a government conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and, and young versions of those guys, you know, they're, and, and they're the natural food, the, the people that go to natural grocers, right? That's who was, that's who was protesting these authoritarian measures. And then, and then there were also conservatives joining there with them, but that was the, the bulk of it was lefties. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, at the beginning of these authoritarian like responses, mm -hmm. the lockdowns and stuff, I was seeing some of my conservative family members um, in the South, some of them, some who are a little more authoritarian, they were fully in support of these authoritarian measures. And these were like Trumpers, right? And they're completely on board with the lockdowns, the mask mandates, tax mandates. And th and that's when I realized, that, that because it's not a right-left thing. It's, it's again, it goes back to you. Normies versus authoritarians. Yes, versus authoritarians. <laughs> Normies versus authoritarians. But with the media, was so with the machine, the politicians, the media, all the celebrities, what they were so good at doing is 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 taking it taking your response to what you thought of these measures these these covid yeah. measures was rooted in whether you're an authoritarian or more of a libertarian they took it out of that and they successfully transplanted it over here into this pre-existing red blue feud that's always going and they said no the blue people are for this and the red people are for this and and they were able to push that crazy narrative and then all the followers followers just lined up with their tribe and so yeah. because of that you've got all these followers in the blue tribe who then became oh now it's a blue thing like you said it's linked to hating yeah, Trump. Now, it's, it's, now it's a religion yeah it's a religion. now it's yeah. a religion thing so we're gonna get right on board yeah i'm putting my mask on buddy i'm putting my you know um the authentic mm -hmm. authentic um hippie lefties yeah never gotten that they never got on board with that well, I mean, I, there there is that meme that I sent to a friend recently of uh, you know, of the of 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 the two left, right? The, the, there's the old left and the sort of Volkswagen thing with a you know, you know, fight the power, you know, fight the war, government all, and right next to him is driving in a big SUV, the new left, which is wear your mask, obey yeah. authority, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like driving next to each other, right? With the old left versus the new left, right? And uh, it's you know, it, it's, yeah. it, it, look one. It's been tragic for me. One of one of my mentors, uh, I won't mention them, but one of my mentors who is a very important person to me in this town, you know, they're on my Facebook and she never comments on anything. You know, I'm posting stuff on movie reviews and this and that and whatever. And she never, ever comments on anything except when I make any suggestion that the government or the media is lying. Then she's instantly there. She's instantly there trying to pull me back right into the tribe. She's like, even on this Johnny Depp thing, when I posted, you know, thank God Johnny Depp was finally exonerated and in, and and the, and I said how the media has misrepresented him for several years. Haven't heard from her a year. She's instantly on that. Like you know, you really you know this the media isn't the problem. You know they have every right to have an opinion on this. I was like, <laughs> well, when they're misrepresenting what happened with our own eyes for the last six weeks, and everyone is misrepresenting it. We're you know, but she cannot handle that the media that is essentially her religion, yes. the mainstream media, could be lying to her because if they lied about Johnny Depp. What else have they lied about? And the whole structure collapsed. The whole house of cards. That is so scary for people. It's yeah. so scary because then what happens? Well, then you might have a complete transformation, like what's happened to me and a lot of other yeah. people. And that's actually terrifying that, to go through. It's a breakdown <laughs> of the entire paradigm. She yeah. has to defend the media because otherwise she has to ask, well, do they lie to us about the vaccines? Well, I'm triple vaxxed and this is, oh my God, what did I put in my body? Do they lie to us about trump yeah. maybe yeah he was a loudmouth and said some stupid things but maybe the country worked fine under yeah. him i then 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 wait i've been calling these people horrible names for several years and i may be the bad person 
it's too much. Have you ever had uh, lately in, in the past couple of years, I've had a good, uh, I've been able to compare um, things that happen on the individual level to things mm -hmm. on the macro level. And it helps me understand them better. So, so, you're very mystic because it eyes above, so below, right? It okay. all reflects. Oh, okay. Well, it just like, like I've, I've had interactions with this person who, this one person who's a, an absolute psychopath and the one silver lining of that has been, I'm better able to understand Darvo um, and why it works on a large scale as well. So when I look at someone like Justin Trudeau calling the truckers authoritarians, and some people believe that I get it now, I get why people believe it. And so, and so uh, what I was about to ask you is similar. There's this sort of, um, have you ever had the, the betrayal that it would take for a person like your friend to realize that the media has been lying to her, that these places she trusts are not worthy of her trust, the betrayal involved and the, what that would do to her psyche and having to go back. It's so, it's almost like on the individual level, if you've ever had someone that you trusted in your life and, and you thought was very close who betrayed you and then you have, and you can't conceive of it. You, you're in, sometimes you're even in denial for a long time about, about this person's not who I thought they were. Um, because you don't want it to be true. And then when you finally can't deny it anymore and grapple with it, it's like a death. It's like a grieving process of everything I thought about this person was wrong. I can't, you know, this, I have to. And what does that say about me? What is, and what does that say about me? Am yeah. I a sucker? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Am I gullible? And why did I allow this for so long? Oh my goodness. So it's like that, but on a large scale with ideology, it's the same thing on with ideology. You're sort of like, um, it, it's it's just similar, but you you're, am I am I a sucker? I can't mm -hmm. believe I was in this in my case for twenty years. <laughs> I was in this belief system for twenty years that I couldn't see through it. What does that say about me? Um, what did I participate in? You know, it's, it's, it it's, says you're human. It says you're yeah. human. We we have to make sense of the universe based on the paradigms that we've got and the people that we trust. We first, we get them from our parents or whoever raised us. And, you know, then, then we get it from our neighborhoods and communities and the, the paradigms are shaped. And then if, sometimes events come to shatter the paradigm. It's not our fault. What is our fault is when more and more of these events knock us in the face and we continue to cling to the paradigm uh, for yeah. those egoistic reasons. I mean, I'll tell you, I was, I was, I mean, I was, I don't think I was left, but I was a lot more, this is what I, I was very critical. I was, how should I put it? I was, I have my criticism of Trump. I still have my criticism of Trump. And as a result of that, I, I, uh, I really backed a lot of people on Twitter in the days when I was on Twitter that were very anti, you know, that, that were, you know, never Trump or Republican types, right? Mm -hmm. The moment the lockdown started happening, I saw, and I knew, I knew it was wrong. I knew intuitively that this was wrong, both morally as well as scientifically. I just knew it, right? And then all these people that I trusted were now supporting it, who were allegedly conservatives. I had this sickening moment in my stomach in April of 2020. I couldn't believe I started unfollowing these people. I started blocking them because I was like, this is immoral. Why? Well, what else were you wrong about? And that it began. Yeah. Um, I do want to get, I saw, hi, Amy in the chat. She's like, Carrie's alone with tech today. So she's slow with super chats. And I am. I'll read some of them quickly, though. Um, these two. Thank you, Big Raj. Just gives a super sticker for $1.99. I appreciate it. Every little bit helps us get one step closer to me. Yeah. 
being able to steal Mystery Chris away from his day job. Andrew Joyner <laughs> gives a super sticker in some kind of foreign money. Thank you, sir. It looks like pounds. It looks like pounds. Okay. And no, no, don't be, don't be. You've traveled. <laughs> have you been to Britain? You never been to Britain? Okay, I've been good. to Britain. Yeah. I, just I, I have a friend of mine who had never, he was in his 60s, had never left the country, didn't have a passport. And then in his 60s, he got a project in Russia. So he got his passport. The first trip he takes out of the country, he never been to Mexico. First trip he takes, he's in Moscow. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, one of my first big trips was actually my first trip was the Netherlands. Okay, but nice. my second trip was Tanzania and I lived there for half a year. <laughs> that was, that was I think different. I think actually a lot of people need to go spend some time in Africa. And I've been to West Africa several times because my spiritual teachers are there. And I think that would shake up both liberals and conservatives. I think a lot of liberals would like go to Africa and like, oh, look at all these incredibly happy religious conservative people that don't are not vaccinated and they're not dying. Okay, that's number one. And they're not confused about what sex they are. Correct. And the conservatives would go there and go, oh, I thought these people were savages. This is sophisticated culture. I wish there was more like this in America. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think both need to go to Africa because I've never felt more at home than when I've been in Africa. I'm like, OK, this is this is actually humanity. <laughs> so I was like, all right, where, where, where am I? I was there. Well, let me read this one real quick. Yeah. Waffle. Thank you, sir. Fifteen. I don't even know what that is. Is that Bitcoin? Fifteen. That, that, well, that, that might not be worth as much this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Waffle. Waffle. I'm Waffle says, greetings, Carrie. What you described sounds familiar to a paradigm shift. Yes. Well, it's it's in quotes. So. Paradigm shift like a book or a movie? I'm not familiar with the title. So it's in I'm quotes. Not, oh, I'm not either. I should look it up. Okay. Um, and then earlier, I did see, this was not a super chat, but when I was saying, am I a sucker? I did see Kevin Anderson say, yes, yes, you are. Don't think I didn't see that, Kevin. <laughs> look, it's okay. the history of all of our religions. The history of all of our religions, every religious founder shows up in a world of suckers, right? I mean, yeah. look, history. Jesus shows up, they're all suckers, and he shakes it up, right? And they're like, I got to get rid of this guy, right? I mean, I mean that the history of all religions is a founder shows up in a in a in a land controlled by suckers, and yeah. wakes them. I have I have been I know at least I know with every new experience that. Mm -hmm. I know that about myself that sometimes I can get pulled into something without being skeptical enough because I'll be too trusting about things. So I have learned, I have learned that some people aren't trusting enough and they go into everything with negativity and assume sure. the worst. And so I don't want to be that either. I think there's like a good balance to strike. Well, I mean, it's because our culture does <clears throat> not have any sense of intuition. Yeah. You know, what, what we did is we, this is something that happened in Western Europe, which is a which is the dark side of the Enlightenment, is that we so trusted the intellect that we shut off intuition. You need both. You cannot just have intuition because that's all of the sort of leftist social reengineering is coming from intuition without intellect, right? You, that doesn't work. And then you have, uh, and it's I think it's in many ways it's true of sort of the new atheist movement, right? And there's a lot of conservatives that are in the new atheist movement. That's intellect without without intuition. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I love talking to you because you have this. You have this balance of both. So, um, so one other thing that happened to you, I thought we we might yeah. talk about this if you felt yeah. comfortable talking about it. You yeah. said you found a new um, mosque. Yeah, 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 yeah. What well, mosque? Yeah, and uh, and so I posted this on Facebook, and and overall it was very. I got a lot of responses, especially from a lot of Christians who'd been through something similar. Which is, you know, I've been in LA now twenty one years. And uh, and you know, there's a lot of mosques here. There's there's one that goes back to the 50s, right? So there's a, you know, millions of people here, right? And so 
But every mosque I went to, it, I never quite connected with. The oldest mosque, right, the one Islamic Center of Southern California is like the, found in the 50s, right? It's very, you know, it's very popular. And I was on Vermont Avenue in, Cal in Los Angeles. And I would go there. In fact, we even filmed there for my show Sleeper Cell. Uh, you know, but and they're all very sweet people. They're nice people. But over, over time, it, be it became more and more loudly progressive, which is not that common in Moss, but it can, but you know, it became more and more progressive. And then, you know, I started seeing, you know, some of from some of the Moss groups during the lockdowns. The, if you remember, there were a bunch of lawsuits to try to open up the, you know, the states who had been locking down houses of worship, right? And uh, you know, and so, you know, a lot of them supported the lockdowns. So I was like, why are you? You got churches and synagogues fighting this. Why are you supporting this? So that it really turned me off, and uh, so I, I wasn't comfortable in this progressive. Sort of, and suddenly they're all like, "Well, you know, here's all the ways that trans is 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 good in Islam." I was like, "Well, you know, I'm not sure that's a mainstream conversation in the Islamic community, right?" So you guys are going off in another direction. God bless, right? Mm -hmm. This ain't necessarily for me. So then, but then there's another mosque I went to, which is in Culver City, which is you know another very established mosque that was founded by the Saudis, right? The King Fahad Mosque, and I've always had issues there because I have wonderful friends there. There's a lot of good people there. The current Imam there is really nice. But they've had, you know, it was founded by the Saudis. So you'd have waves of like weirdo fundamentalists would show up and preach crazy things, right? And so would all, you'd always be on their guard. Like, what are they going to say, right? Are they going to be normal? They're going to say something crazy, right? And so it's just, you never know, right? And so, uh, you know, it, you know, it's just, so I was like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily feel it fit in here. And so 21 years of this shuttling back and forth from, and then like, oh, I didn't like that sermon. I don't know if I belong here. It's constant, right? And so finally, during the lockdowns, this was one of God's blessings because, you know, God uses everything. Right. And yes. so now I was like, okay, now like all the mosques were shut down. All the big ones were because the cops were coming around to all the churches, synagogues and mosques. And are you closed? Are you worshiping, you know, six feet apart and whatever. And, uh, you know, and so I had this moment where they finally allowed the mosque to open again, the Culver city mosque. I would go there, but I wouldn't go inside because they were requiring mass and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I would be praying out on the sidewalk with the, the overflow crowd, right? Mm -hmm. But then it started happening. The cops started showing up and tried to enforce mass on the outside, right? What? Standing on the street in LA, right? And I'm like, dude, I'm out. There's no, there's no outside mass mandate yeah. here. But the cops were like, and then the mosque board was like, I right, just do what the cops say. We don't want to be hassled there. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this, man. I just want yeah. to worship. I don't want this crap, right? And when I put this thing on, it's me worshiping the state that I don't want to worship, right? I know this is not. Cameron, hold on. Yeah. I just got an alert. I forgot to plug in my laptop and it's about to die. Give me one second. I'll be okay, right yeah. back. Go, go do that. Don't, don't I'll, I'll take over if the, if the, if the camera goes. I'll take over. How's everyone in the chat doing? I want to take a quick look at the chat here. Uh, you know, a lot of fun. So we got we got like 156 people here. Um, yeah. So anybody got any question for me? While we're waiting for them? Just throw them in the chat. I'm looking. I'm looking. Keep going, Cameron. I don't know what to keep going for. What? Okay. Uh, well, Eric Forster said Africa is full of everything good and bad. It's a huge content. It's true. Uh, but I think the way that we have portrayed Africa in the media uh, and in in just our general parlance is we see that we tend to see it as a primitive savage place. And it isn't, you know, my experience when I've been there, I've been to Senegal multiple times, maybe in North Africa, North Africa, North of the Sahara, like Egypt, Morocco, I've been there. That's a different culture than sub-Saharan Africa, right? It's a very, it's a very different culture from that. And uh, sub-Saharan Africa, which is what I'm referring to, what you call black Africa, right? I've never felt more at home there. Uh, it, 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 on the planet, except where I'm there. I'm just talking to uh, some people in chat were asking about Africa, and I was saying how I've never felt more at home than in sub-Saharan Africa. I felt like humanity, as we understand humanity, is still preserved there, 
right? Uh, you know, normalcy. And somebody mentioned that Matt Walsh recently did his his uh, his documentary on what is a woman, and he went to Africa and you asked people that can a man become a woman, and all these like tribes and you know, were like laughing, right? And so <laughs> th there's a normalcy there that and both the right and the left, in my opinion, have discounted Africa. Uh, and as a, yeah. and it comes from racism, just pure come, come from racism, right? And uh, you know, you go to Timbuktu, uh, which is in Mali, and you know, Timbuktu is one of the greatest scholarly places on the planet. It's got you know the famous library of Timbuktu. I mean, he's got they've got books going back a thousand years that are preserved. I mean, you know, historians, archaeologists go there to find old books. You know, from the eighth century, the ninth century. Yeah, Tim, we, there's a great book about the librarians of Timbuktu. I always give you books. So if you look up uh, on on Amazon, the librarians of Timbuktu. See, when you had this like uh, this extremist group uh, that was that you know that this is Islamic fundamentalist extremist group that was coming in uh, through Mali and Nigeria, uh, Boko Haram, those guys. They were going into Mali and they actually went into the great libraries because Timbuktu used to be the the center of Islamic learning for the planet, right? And so they have these incredible libraries. And so they went in. And they were demanding the librarians come burn all the old books, right? Uh, and for heresy, whatever the hell they're thinking. And the librarians came out and burned out a bunch of books. And I remember hearing that I was so heartbroken because this is a loss of history and knowledge for humanity. It's like the Cultural Revolution where Mao you know, and his Red Guards destroyed so much. Then it was discovered they didn't burn anything. They just brought out empty covers and set fire to them, right? Mm -hmm. With blank pages. And they preserved all the books. They're still wow. there. So, but these guys knew because they've been through, this, been there, that library's been there for a thousand years. They've had characters come in and out, and they know how to handle it. Oh, you want to burn? Oh, yeah, let's burn the books, right? They've done it. They have, they have a protocol. <laughs> they knew so, how to. They knew how to fake it. Yeah, these morons are going to come and go, and the books are still going to be here, right? Yeah. And so, so you, so, but that, but that's an example. Like you know, we have. That's how they handle it, right? Because they have a thousand-year tradition of handling stupid people, right? For us. We 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 have two hundred two two hundred fifty year country that we're just bumbling through everything. We're learning everything the first time, right? Yeah. Wow. I had I, well, I didn't actually. I'm ashamed to say I didn't know that. I didn't. I don't know much about Timbuktu at all. So you got to go to West you. Africa. You'll love it. You'll love it. And you know, you know, when I went to Senegal, I'm, which is where my spiritual teachers are, I went to this beautiful, beautiful uh, Catholic. Uh, Church there, it's 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 really a cathedral. It's massive because there's I mean there's a it's a Muslim country, but it's about sizable Christian minority, and they're all living in peace with each other. And I went there and I just had a great time in this beautiful church, talking to to the to the to the to the deacons there and talking to the priests. And it was just like hey, they've been there for they've been there for a few thousand years, ain't going anywhere. And so yeah. it, it's it's nice to see that like these two religions just normal, just normal with each other, right? Mm -hmm. so. In Tanzania, East Africa, I'm sure is, is very different. Um, but there was also a sizable Islamic and Christian population there. Well, if you and go to, if you, yeah, if you go to, if you go to, um, Zanzibar. Yeah, Zanzibar. You went, you went to Zanzibar, sorry. Yeah, and Ethiopia yeah. still has very nice relations between those communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, thank you guys for holding, uh, holding the fort. Thank you for holding the fort down while I plugged in my stupid computer. Anyway, <laughs> you were in the middle of telling me about, your search for a mosque and yeah, yeah. So, Culver yeah. City and how the cops were then coming in and trying to say that you guys had to wear masks even if you were worshiping yeah. outside. Yeah. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And so I was like, where can I go? And then someone mentioned you know, there's this little, there's a little uh, Turkish, like not even a mosque. It's essentially like what it used to be with mosques in the seventies in America, which is like, it is an apartment room. It has a building in the party. They've rented a room in an apartment. You can go pray there. Right. So I was like, and I called them. I was like, are you guys going to ask me about masks? They're like, no, you want to wear it? You don't want to wear it? Whatever. I was like, do you guys pray side by side? Because this whole thing of 
six feet apart violates the fundamental tenet of Islam, which is when you pray, you pray like brothers and you're, you're next to each other. Feet touching wow. feet, shoulders touching shoulders. The idea, I was like, this whole thing of physical separation, which was done for two years, was a violation of the fundamental essence of the ritual, right? Uh, prayer, which is your human being. You, you feel the, your brotherhood with another human being. So I was like, yeah, now we pray side by side. You want to wear masks, you want to wear masks, fine. Also, and the like, cops aren't asking, like, oh, cops don't even know about us. <laughs> <laughs> cops don't know about us. So I'm like, all right. So I showed up. And then what happened is I was, I finally found what I've been looking for. And I know you will understand it. You went through your own journey. I finally found what I was looking for, which is a nice, normal, traditional Muslim mosque. And when I say traditional, I'm saying that what mosques have often been in the United States are very politicized in the sense they're they're constantly dealing with American politics. In a sense, you got this liberal mosque in Vermont that's talking about, oh, we got to support President Biden, you know, against against you know the rising white supremacy. You got that right going on. And then you got this like fundamentalist mosque, which is talking about, you know, all this political stuff that the Saudis want out there, right? And so none of it is about actual ancient eternal universal connection to God. It's always about current social issues of something. Right, yes. you know, and even the conservative mosque. You know, this long. I I was at the conservative mosque, and the imam gave a long lecture about against the woke, and I was like, "That's great, but I don't want to hear about the woke. I just want to pray." Why do I have to come here and about how the woke are misleading? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about. Can I just escape? I hear about it every day on YouTube. Can I just escape this crap? Right. I'm glad you don't like the woke. I don't like them either. Right. But why? Why do this term? Right. We're and so. Then I found this place that I suddenly felt incredibly comfortable in. And they have a very, and it's old traditional, as in the tradition of, and you don't really see this in mosques in America, but if you go to the Muslim world, you see it, which is that at the end of the Friday prayer, they have free food. Just like here, here's, they pack this wonderful Turkish meal that's wonderfully cooked. And here, take it, please, brother, take it, take it. And so, because the idea of food as a means of connecting with human beings, and the Last Supper, I mean, it's very Christian, right? And so, yes. so this is, I was like, oh, this is old school stuff. This is what I felt like when I went to West Africa, when I went to Turkey, when I went to Morocco. That's not what I'm getting in this politicized left-wing mosque. So I went there and I posted this on Facebook and I was surprised by how many people responded. They've also been on looking for something similar. They just want to get away from politics. They just want faith again. They want to talk about scripture and about God. and They don't want to talk about this narrow moment in time anymore, right? That's all it is. And... The amazing thing is a lot of Christians then started posting and saying, I've been through the same journey. It took me forever. I'm still looking for my church, right? This is a universal problem right now. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until that moment. Yeah. That's, I'm so happy for you that you found a place that you feel like that's home, right? I yeah. had that, I did have that moment. And mm -hmm. I will say, well, in my case, um, I just, I tried a lot of different churches. I started mm -hmm. off. My journey, I started off at a spiritual center, which was more of a, I started at Agape in, in LA. Yeah. yeah, I know Agape. Yeah. yeah, Agape is huge and it's sort of more like non, it's non-denominational and they draw from different It's very faiths. Gnostic, very, very sort of hippie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very hippie. They draw from Christianity. It's, it's I would say it's primarily Christianity based. Yeah, it's it's primarily also Christianity. From, yeah, they pull from pull new down. age stuff. Yeah, yeah. Christianity new age. It's new age Christian, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I started there and then, and then along the way, I just, uh, I went to a Catholic church for a while and I really learned things from that, although it wasn't ultimately that I knew it wasn't my home, but, um, then I, I went to a cowboy church for a while. Uh, I did go to a, a evangelical church in Austin for like a year or two. That was, that was mm -hmm. a good place. 
but it wasn't my home. And I, I was so lucky because my home ended up being in my little town, which is crazy to me that what are the chances that this pastor and this church and this community happened to be right in my town. You're Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. It's like, <laughs> you went back home. <laughs> Click your yeah. home. <laughs> it's crazy. And it, and uh, my church opened during the pandemic. They, yeah. they, it was, I, I happened to go to their first service because I saw an ad on Facebook. They yeah. have since been um, prevented from doing advertisements on Facebook. They're now censored. Yeah. Cause they violated community standards. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that means. I think it's cause he did a sermon about masks. Now here's the thing about my pastor. He yeah. will talk about the woke sometimes, and okay. I don't mind it. It's not the thrust of his message, but he will, um, in my case, like I like someone who's connecting everything that I'm learning about deeper truths about God mm -hmm. to what is also happening in the world around me and, and speaking truth about it. And it, and it, and so that, that, that connection happens occasionally, but that's not all, that's not like what the focus is. And there's also mm -hmm. different series he does on mm -hmm. Uh, teaching about the history of the church and stuff too, which I, I don't know a lot about. And um, yep. anyway, that I, I completely agree. I was starving. And when I found this church, it was like, yes, finally. It's that feeling of, you know, just, I don't know, home. No, it's it's a feeling of coming home. It's a feeling of coming home. You know, the thing is, is yeah, we look all of our faith. We have to address the, the moment. We're living in a moment. We have to address the issues of a moment. But if we disconnect from the universality, then, uh, our religions survive over generations for a reason because they 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 survive in multiple historical settings. They survive under different circumstances, and you have to keep connected to that universality and be confident in it. You know, it is that confidence. The reason I like the church is they don't need to talk about the woke. They need to talk about trans. They don't talk about anything because they ain't worried about it. They're like this. This will come and go. It's like the, you know, Mongols sacked Baghdad and killed the country. <laughs> came and went. Right. <laughs> it just comes and goes. It's, it's like, like it's like. The Tim Buckley. Oh, you want to burn the books? Oh, we've been through this four times. Yeah, let's burn these. Uh, books. Yeah, yeah, they're so gonna burn the books. Again. How do we handle it? That's how we always handle. It. So I mean, it's a, but that universality keeps things going, and that, it's interesting because I think one of the benefits. I know you're not Catholic, but you went briefly to Catholic. One of the benefits I think of Catholicism and really of Eastern Orthodoxy, even more so in some ways, is this long lineage of tradition, right? I think Eastern Orthodoxy still pretty much preserves older Christianity. Catholicism has gone through a lot of change since Vatican II. But the, uh, that's why a lot of Christians aren't like being drawn to Eastern Orthodox now, like Russian Orthodox or Pure Orthodox, because that's like old school Christianity, right? <laughs> that they that that their yes. great grandparents had. Yeah, yeah that, I have seen a big um, swing towards towards Orthodoxy in that way. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I want to pull up. I do. Uh, let's see. It's one o'clock. Let's talk about current events, and we talked universal stuff. Let's talk about yeah. Well, I've I've only been aware of a few things going on because again, I was had this beautiful weekend and haven't really been paying attention to news, but I'm going to yeah. share this. This is something I saw that I thought was pretty big news. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting. My, in my old company, in my old life, when I worked in yeah. management, so I managed comedians, my partner managed musicians and swimmers. Yeah, she had a swimming pass. And so we had our company managed a lot of Olympic swimmers and okay. Uh, I haven't seen a lot from her or anything from her about this whole, the trans issue in the swimming world. In fact, a lot of people I know in the swimming world have just stayed quiet about it. It's that thing where they don't want to, 
they're too afraid to have an opinion yeah, one way or the other. This, this issue is the ultimate religion right now at this moment in history, right? And so you speak yeah. out against this. I mean, it's Inquisition, right? So, yeah. So this is the headline. For anyone who's just listening, this is from ESPN. And the headline mm -hmm. is FINA, F-I-N-A, votes to restrict transgender women from elite swimming competition. And they're swimming, like the International Regulatory Board or something, right? Yep. Yes. Swimming's world governing body, FINA, FINA, on Sunday voted to restrict the participation of transgender athletes in elite women's competitions and create a working group to establish an open category for them in some events as part of its new policy. <clears throat> the new policy, which takes effect on Monday, will require transgender competition competitors to have completed their transition by the age of 12 to be able to compete in women's competitions. The very fact that we have to even put that in there has a lot of social stuff right there to deal with. <laughs> yes, yes. So this is this is a very concerning. I well, okay. I'll, I'll finish. Let me read one more part yeah, of this. Says, <clears throat> the working group will spend the next six months to determine how to set it up. Set up the new open category. Fina said, "This is not saying that people are encouraged to transition by the age of twelve. It's what the scientists are saying that if you transition after the start of puberty, you will have an advantage, which is unfair." James Pierce, the spokesperson for Fina, President Hussein Al Musalam told the Associated Press, quote, they're yeah, not- They got the Muslim guy to do it. They got the Muslim guy to do it. Blame <laughs> <laughs> okay. it on that damn Muslim guy. <laughs> they gave him a spokesperson. They had James Pierce speak on behalf of Hussein. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, he, that guy, the guy who was a pussy, he couldn't even do it himself. Yeah. <laughs> I got the boss he could attend in LA that would be so comfortable at. <laughs> Hussein's like, James, could you get out there and make a statement for me? <laughs> you, my Christian brother, you, you take it for me. You carry this cross. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so James, the spokesperson for Hussein, says, uh, they're not saying everyone should transition by age 11. That's ridiculous. Uh, really? Well, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said not everyone should do this. I'm. I'm. I'm that's. I'm glad someone needs to say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There. Uh, you can't transition by that age in most countries, and hopefully, you wouldn't be encouraged to. Basically, what they're saying that it is not feasible for people who have transitioned to compete with without having an advantage. Okay. Thoughts? Because I have thoughts. Okay. I mean, well, well, I have lots of thoughts, but let's hear your thoughts. Okay. Cause I'm going to take, well, I'm going to take all this to a metaphysical level. So let's hear the practical level. Okay. Well, the practical level is th what they're doing is they are creating an incentive for parents to transition their kids earlier. And what he says right here, I mean, uh, well, first of all, let me back up. I think this is a great move. I think that it's a great first step. They are acknowledging that biological men, that men have, have an advantage in sports, in competition, physical competition yeah, which is, which with is women. actual physical reality that we can which see. Which is reality. Yes. Yeah, so they're finally doing that. Thank you. One governing body in one sport is doing that. Thank you. But what they're not going far enough because what they're doing by having mm -hmm. this little wiggle room and saying, well, you have mm -hmm. to transition by 12 um, if you want to compete with women, if you're a boy, they are now creating this this incentive for parents to transition their kids earlier, so they quote unquote don't get discriminated against. Yeah, it's, it's the Munchausen's by proxy crowd. Yes. Yes, yes and that is right. concerning. And the fact that here he, this spokesperson James Pierce, says um, 
he says it's ridiculous we're not trying to get people transition by the age of 11 that's not what we're trying to do basically no, no one trying to do nothing look where we ended up exactly <laughs> and then he and then he says basically what we're saying is that it's not feasible for people who have transitioned to compete without having to advantage okay well if that's what you were trying to say james then don't put this age thing in there at all like don't put that thing don't put that caveat but if they in there didn't, if they didn't then the and I like I and I label it the extremist trans lobby, right? Mm -hmm. I label it that's how I want to label it because I know there are there are people out there you've been with like Blair who are yeah normal trans people like I wasn't <laughs> I want to look like a woman and, and I don't go with any of this stuff, right? Okay, so, so the extremist trans lobby would attack would attack them as being anti-trans turfs or whatever the phrase is, right? I mean that's what they would attack. So that is their political maneuver to try to get around that lobby. They'll still be attacked. It's not going to work. I mean, it's they're still going to They're going to be attacked. But you're right. It, it does open up this thing uh, because there is, I think, this incorrect assumption still that this phenomenon is going is with us to stay. I do not believe it is with us to stay. I, I mean, the phenomenon of this socially backed children's transitioning thing, right? I think there's always going to be people that say, "Look, I, I don't." feel comfortable in my body that that's just throughout human history right whatever now we have technology that they can find something that at least some of them want so fine but the idea of this that we're going to have kids transitioning that's not going to stick around that's not going to last a generation it's just not but they're still trying think, to cater to that crowd do you think that we're going to have because you said you're going to pull out and talk about like the metaphysical yeah. level one of the things my pastor says is that we are going to have so many consequences in mm -hmm. 10 to 20 years okay. with in culturally spiritually yeah. just so much fallout from what's happening right now Do you well it's going to be a generation that won't reproduce it's going to be a generation they're going to get their depopulation that they wanted at least to some degree right it's going to be the millennials and and the poor generation z kids who are still trapped in it are are just going to remove themselves from the gene pool that's what's happening I see so many of these detransition stories. I see more of them every day. People, just like people who are waking up, see more people waking up from the specific part of the social justice cult, people who went through transition as kids or young adults who are now saying, I regret it. I miss my body. Here's what it's like living as me. And I'm sterilized now. And, you know, there's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot. So that brings us to wow. the book I wanted you to read. Okay. So I'm going to. Here we go. I always have a book for you guys. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like the, I'm like the librarian of it. So Tavistock Institute by, what's okay. his name? By Daniel, Daniel Estulin, right? So he's did a really good book on the Bilderberg group and whatever. And this is his book on the history of the Tavistock. Have you heard of the Tavistock Institute? I haven't. Well, it sounds okay. familiar, but I don't, I don't know. So the okay. Tavistock Institute is a British, you can look up the Wikipedia thing, but it, you know, of course you're just like lots of conspiracy theories about them. I was like, no, conspiracy theories are kind of true. So, uh, you know, Tavistock Institute is a, is a British academic think tank that's you know been the one that essentially promoted the uh the extremist trans agenda in britain where it really started it started in the last 10 years there right that's why you had jk rowling and others like what's happening here right it started in britain then it came to the united states right so uh so it looks at this this institute not just on this issue but historically this issue has been this, this institute is essentially this very sinister illuminati type group that whose goal is to to rewire society socially Right. And they've been around for since at least the 40s, I believe they've been around forever. And they're obviously deeply connected to British intelligence. Right. In the same way that, you know, a lot of some, you know, 
the feminist groups in America ended up being like, well, oh, why is the CIA supporting, you know, you know, the founder mm -hmm. of Cosmo, right? <laughs> What's that all about, right? And so, yeah. you know, there's there is this engineering element that's that's not even coming from academia. It's coming from something else, right? From political power. And so they've been the ones that push this thing. So what we have right now uh, is, you know, we we're at the third stage, which is not a sustainable of the metaphysical that I'm talking about. So in the human condition, we've always had on a biological level, we've had male, female, and we've had a few intersex, like 0 0.01, 0 0.02% of the population, which are hermaphrodites, right? People that are born with with both sex organs. That's That's been part of the human condition, right? So in my religion, Islam, we quickly acknowledge that, and hermaphrodites are part of Islamic law. So if you're born as a hermaphrodite with both sex organs, uh, then there's all these methods to determine whether you're male or female, depending on the size or prominence of whichever genital, right? And so I just want to make a caveat, because... Yeah. I just did an interview with Mary Lou Singleton, yep. who's a midwife, and there mm -hmm. was this interesting part she was pointing out, which is, yes, you've had this very small fraction mm -hmm. of a percent of people who are born with these disorders where they might have both genitalia mm -hmm. or parts yeah. of both genitalia, but there's never been a human being who's born with both gametes. There's no Correct. human being. That, that doesn't exist. Right, right. And, and, these, and these, like, for example, these old spiritual traditions that had ways of classification didn't have a means to access the DNA and the gamete and right, right, right. Just went with whatever they could physically see on the body, right? So right. so that we started with that. And that was an acknowledgement of, of reality of, 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 of human beings. Then we also had historically transvestites, which are people that wanted to dress as the clothing of the opposite sex, right? And in almost all cultures, I think worldwide, men and women have dressed differently. I think that's historically true. There may probably be some random tribe here and there that didn't, but I think for practical reasons, they dress differently. Uh, and there would be some that uh, I feel more comfortable dressing like that. So we had a term for that. Again, that's objective reality, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, then we got to a place technologically in the last century, really in the last few decades, where that person can then decide, well, I don't like my genitalia. I, I don't identify and I had the through surgery and now first it was surgery, then it became hormone. First it was surgery to remove or change the appearance physically, and then it became hormones to get internal. That's when the divide from objective to subjective reality starts happening, right? So hormones start giving you this thing of like an I can actually grow breasts now, not just have a physically mm. augmented appearance of a breast, right? All that then became the moment of transition which affected all of civilization at least western civilization which is we left objective classification and objective reality to subjective reality then the word transgender arrives see each of these words is different right transsexual yes. becomes transgender and you know you can't even use transsexual anymore that's 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 like that's like using an outdated word for african americans i think african americans now outdated whatever i mean we've gone back they, to black it was offensive they're always before. updating it i don't know i mean you know you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. So, okay. So, I mean, I, and Malcolm X, I mean, Malcolm X, you read his speeches, he's talking about Negroes. I, I guess he would be offensive now. I mean, so whatever. It just, it just changes, right? The words change. On, in the women's scale, chicks is back in. And um, okay. I'm just I'm kidding. It's not. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm just going okay. with language. So, but that's when the moment when something happened in civilization, which is not sustainable, which is we went from objective reality and dealing with objective reality, which is external to subjective reality, where I feel like a woman. Well, what does that mean? Okay, I don't, I don't know what that means. And then the word starts having a loss. You know, if it's like, well, I have a beard and I have a penis, but I feel like a woman. I don't want to get rid of my beard or my penis, but I feel like a woman. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so now we're going to a place where your personal subjective reality, we all have our inner subjective reality. In order for civilization to work, we all have to come to some kind of consensus about objective reality. It may not be accurate. 
but it has to be some kind of consensus, right? You know, yes. I don't think our objective reality fully takes into account reality. Like you and I are believers. There's stuff we can't see with our senses. That's part of reality. Angels, demons, jinn, whatever. So there's stuff going on that we don't have a consensus on right now. That's still part of reality. But we have some consensus in order to interact with each other. But once you take the meaning of words away, there is no ability to interact with each other because then now you can't understand each other. Yeah. Nothing and means anything. the ultimate way of isolating people to control them is they can no longer communicate. That's the more metaphysical thing behind this whole transhumanist thing that's happening is to yes. actually make you completely isolated as a human. Yes. I think, I think you are so spot on about what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's so dystopian. There's not a novel, you know, we're always comparing it to, well, it's 1984, it's Brave New World, or it's B, or it's this. There's nothing as actually terrifying as what's actually yeah, happening. Even Orwell couldn't have predicted this. Orwell went as far <laughs> right. as saying, Orwell in 84 says, he acknowledges in 1984, you know, the state says, you know, when they've, they've captured the guy, they tell him, the only thing that we have not yet been able to control is sexual pleasure, right? But we'll, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. And maybe that's ultimately what this is leading to, which is the end of sex, right? So, yeah. or well, if he seeded it, I think even he would be startled by where it went to. I'm going to share something with you because you made me think of this. I just saw this. This is from Neil James. Hello, Neil, if you're watching. Neil is a, a knitter. He's the editor of Blocked Magazine. And mm -hmm. I've had him on the show a couple of times. He's done the Monday show with me before. Um, Man, you, you know, knitters are dangerous. I read that article Epic Times. I learned a lot about knitters. I didn't know nothing about knitters until I read that article. I was like, who is it? There's man. a lot of knitters in the chat today. Shout out to Amy. Yeah. I was like, you don't want to mess with these knitters, man. They got this, this dangerous stabby thing and they're arguing now. Okay, all right, here we go. Yeah. So this is, he, he kind of tracks a lot of social justice stuff in the knitting world specifically and out, even outside of the knitting world. And He's got some great posts. If you want to follow him, he's got okay. two accounts. This one is you can you knitted kingdom. Anyway, That's this great. is one that he shared, and this is exactly what you're talking about. Look at this. Um, this is a person who's doing a post saying, "Yes, I have a penis." All caps. Get over it. I sometimes even have a beard. It doesn't mean I'm not female <laughs> or a lesbian. <laughs> with a lesbian a with a woman's brain. brain. Okay. And always have been in all oh, caps. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cis okay. lesbians who won't sleep with me because of these biological disabilities are transphobic, bigoted turfs. You must do better. So, dude, so this is this is this is basically a dude trying to get laid with some hot lesbian chick. That's all this is. This is his new angle. Yeah. That's all this is. He's just why won't you have sex with me? I'm a guy, but I'm a woman. I mean, this is that's this is just a dude trying to get laid. It's not more complex than that. Yeah. It's uh, but yeah, that was at the, you know, it's the punch of that post, right? It's not about deal with it, have sex with me, woman. I mean, that's the punch <laughs> of the post. That's the punch <laughs> of the post. And this is what lesbians are. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, Sue. I knew, I knew you might respond to this. She's like, yeah, no, this lesbian will not be sleeping with you. <laughs> this, this is what a lot of um, of lesbians and gay people are facing now, which is they are being told they are bigots if they don't sleep with people. Uh, regardless of their attraction. And I mean, straight people are being told this too. And it's just- no, but, it, but this, is, this is the joke of all of this, is that yeah. this went so far progressive that the gays and was like, I want to be right wing now, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done, I'm all right wing now. <laughs> I mean, these guys have gone so far that it's literally like, and it was always going to end up being an attack. I mean, it was always going to yeah. end up being an attack on, on gays and lesbians, right? Because 
that's still a definition of sexuality and they want to take out sexuality as a definition. Well, also because a lot of these young people, these children and mm -hmm. teenagers who are being experimented on and it is experimentation. Yes, we are doing medical experimental stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, medical uh, experimentation on kids. A lot of them um are later saying when they detransition, "Oh, I think I'm just I think I just have sexual attraction towards the same sex. I don't think I'm, I actually had Correct. to physically like become the other, like physically change myself. It, 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 before you would pray the gay away. Now you surgically remove the gay away. Yeah. That's what this yeah. is. It's a kind of conversion therapy. It, it is absolutely conversion therapy. And uh, I'm just, you know, it's the tragedy of all of this is that, you know, we never understand when we're in the middle of it, the people don't see what is obvious. Remember when, you know, all we look at the 19th century and look at the weirdo medical practices and, you know, you know, ramming things into people's brains, thinking that's going to, you know, cure their mental illness or whatever, right? You know, lobotomy. Everyone thought that was normal. Now we look back and go, were you all insane? Leeches. Were you all insane? And this is the moment next generation will look back and go, you did this to kids? Oh, yeah. Were you all insane? Yeah. Yeah, it's so bad. I mean, a lot of these parents of tra trans kids, I put that in quotes, groups, and I stay quiet because I want to be able to see what they're talking about in there yeah, and what they're sure. doing. And it is it is crazy town. I, I can't even express how crazy it is. Well, but it's, it, it's all Munchausen it, by proxy. I mean, it's all oh, people just using yes. their kids and, and you know, yes. as from as medical experiments in order to to post on Twitter. I mean, yeah, it's the, it, you know, it's, it's a cool sick. thing now to say you're a trans kid. It's a cool it's a cool thing now. You get social credit. And the stories that they share are just awful because there's so many suicide attempts in and there's and they don't know why and they're like but i'm doing everything right i validate i got i changed the I put well, it, ha it has to be all these people who don't accept it has yeah. to be the world that won't accept it's like maybe they're just they you're suicide because they don't like themselves because they're confused about who they are and what you've done to them right maybe that's not that yeah. complicated maybe but but so i don't say anything because i want to be able to see what's going on in there but sometimes i really want to come through like a like one of those people in what was that scene in Game of Thrones? I want to have the thing with the incense coming through being like shame. Right. <laughs> like shame. Because truly, what I'm we I'm we are witnessing, we are in this point of culture where you said we're gonna look back and say, they're gonna ask our our grandkids, I hope I have grandkids, they're gonna look back and say, How did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? The way that we look back at horrible events in history and are like, how could people have done that? They're going to say that. Well, how did you do this to kids? How did parents do this to kids? Yeah, but, but look, there's, as, as Solomon said, there's nothing yeah. new under the sun. M imagine Noah sitting around going, are we going to have grandchildren? This whole world sucks, right? And he ends <laughs> up, we're all his grandchildren, right? I mean, the whole, the whole planet is destroyed. It's hard, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine that, you know, that corruption can, but this is human nature. It is, you know, what it is, is going back to faith. It's just a rebellion against God. It shows up in every yes. generation. It just shows up yeah. every generation. It's it's the struggle. It's a spiritual struggle of the human condition, right? Uh, and rebelling uh, against reality. Yeah, and then God is reality, and so you know, you know, yeah. we Sufis, one of the primary names of yes. God we use is Al Haq, which is the reality. So when you're rebelling against reality, you're rebelling against God, the Creator, because that is reality. And so, you know, this that is, makes this, so much sense to me. In the in the Bible, I would say it's similar. Where it says, "I am the way, the truth, and the light." Mm -hmm. It's the truth. Your reality. You're rebelling against the truth. Yeah, and and that's not that's never sustainable. But what it it does is it destroys people, it destroys their bodies, and then it destroys their souls. And it is tragic to watch this happening around us. But it's even setting aside anyone's belief in God, which you and I both have, just nature. 
what anything that cannot promote reproduction will fail. I mean, it's just this is not sustainable to go against nature. Nature always asserts itself; it reasserts itself, right? And uh, you know, it's you know, and there's no guarantee that we human beings are going to make it, right? You know, there in my tradition, there's a verse in the Quran where God is quoted saying to humanity, "We can destroy all of you and replace you with a whole new creation. We can just get rid of all of you." I mean, we did it before. We let Noah survive. We can do it. We can do it again. This time, none of you left, right? And we'll create a new thing. We'll create a new thing that will serve us, right? And so that that is nature speaking and saying, human beings, we don't need you. <laughs> you want to destroy yourselves? Well, something new will appear on this planet. You first of all, thank you, Bob. He said my mic input sounded wrong and I think I fixed it. I'm yeah, your input is now better. Yes. Oh, oh I'm sorry, guys. Thank you. Um, but you reminded me of my pastor again. I've got to send you this one. He spoke in front of the city council, and one of the things he said was, uh, when you've when you war against reality, there are consequences. So, for example, if you deny gravity and you jump off a building, there are immediate consequences. You identify and, someone who can fly, and then you learn very quickly. Yes, and he said there are just there are going to be just as many consequences that we reap by denying biological reality. It's just you know they may be delayed, but they're coming. Well, but and, the, look, you talk city council. Look, we saw that in the lockdowns. Who are these city councils? Who are these school boards? There's usually it's one dangerous ideologue. Surrounded by a bunch of like mediocre losers who just want to collect their paycheck and go home, right? That's what these all these councils are, right? It's always like, yeah, whatever, okay, yeah, trans kids, whatever, just give me my paycheck and go yeah. home. Yeah, whatever, I don't care, right? I don't care. I don't want to look at that that says this is damaging. I don't know. I just want to go home, right? You know, they're just doing. These are just low level nothing bureaucrats who have taken. There, well, there are some on our city council who I think have good intent and are good mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Um. I will say that I think they are, and I've said this to, I, I've said this before. Well, you're in I, Texas, so you might have them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. We do have some good people on our city council. Yeah, yes. I think that they are cowed into submission mm -hmm. through this culture that tells them they don't get to have uh, an opinion or take a mm -hmm. stance that they feel is a moral stance. However, mm -hmm. those who are on the city council who are woke and, and or, or, uh, or woke adjacent, Mm -hmm. They have no problem being on social media supporting woke stuff, giving their personal opinion. It's that uh, repression thing that's happening, that that repressive tolerance where they will. It's like the the left gets to express all of the opinions they have because they feel like it's just and right. And I I, get, I can be a city council member and you know co-sign a ten year olds doing a mural. The, the middle school having 10 year olds do a mural with the pansexual flag in it. And, and that's cool. But those on the city council who oppose it can't express their personal opinions lest they be called bigots. You know, so I don't like so, that. I don't like them bowing. Yeah. But we're, we're living in the world that, you know, Copernicus would have recognized this world. You know, a lot of people, when Copernicus came out and said, yeah, I think that, I think the earth revolves around the sun. Those were my calculations show. A lot of people are like that's that probably is right, but they're like, yeah, it's too much of a hassle. <laughs> it's too much of a hassle. <laughs> you know, it, it's going against the system. All these other people coming after him. It's just a hassle, man. You know, well, what difference does it make to me if the world Earth goes around us? I'm whatever. Grow up. Yeah, we're living at that time. Yeah. Oh you know? man. But, but okay. it's not a sustainable time. That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't have despair over this because nature will reassert itself. You know, I will say God reasserted, but you know, nature will reassert itself. I think that's a nice neutral thing to say, and it's true. And so, what we're doing, what we're doing right now, is just going to weed out 
a portion of humanity, some of them who didn't choose it, like a lot of these kids aren't choosing what's being done to them, right? They're yes. being brainwashed into it. You know, I had I had uh, lunch with a good friend of mine who's a Muslim, right? And uh, his son been raised in LA, and it broke my heart. I'm talking to him, and he's like, he's like, I want to be a girl. He's ten years old. I want to be a girl. I said, okay, why do you want to be a girl? So, well, girls have it easier. It's cool. It's cool to be. It's basically cool to be trans. So you know, I said, you know, you know what girls like. Girls like strong men. Why don't we take you to the gym, right? That's what I said to him. I was like, let's go to the gym. Let's go. Let's go to karate. I think you know because he's beginning to like girls, and he's he's feeling like not good about himself. And he's like, well, girls have it easier. Everyone's chasing them, right? I don't want to chase. I don't want to feel be rejected and feel bad about myself. And everyone's telling me being a girl is better. So I was like, hey, let's let's go to karate. Let's go to karate. Let's make you feel masculine, right? Because girls actually like that. You know what's going to be great? You know what's going to be absolutely great in this moment? Elvis, the movie coming out next week, Elvis. Oh, is it? Elvis is going to shatter the social moment because all these kids are going to go and watch. Elvis comes out and he's shaking his legs and all the girls are going crazy because he's a sexy dude. And, you know, he ain't coming out wearing a wig, right? He's a masculine, sexy dude. And the women are going wild. I mean, he created that phenomenon. The Beatles, well, that's all later, right? He created that phenomenon single-handedly, right? Of 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 the mass hysteria of a rock star. I was like, that's going to shake up the, the Generation Z. They'll be like, I want to be like that. Because that's what happened to the Beatles. The Beatles were watching. I was reading about Elvis. how John Lennon, he was watching Elvis movie, and all the girls were screaming. He's like, that's a good job. I want yeah. the girls to scream for me too. And we got the yeah. Beatles. <laughs> so Elvis, which looks like it's going to be one of the best movies ever made. I'm a huge fan of Boswell. Man. The trailers are incredible. Elvis is going to shake up the social system of the next generation. That movie. I hope you're right. I'm excited to see it. I actually, I might be one of the few people. I like the old Elvis movie from, oh man, it might have been from the 70s with Kurt Russell. Yeah, <laughs> I know. People like that movie. I think that's a good one. I know people are like, ah, Kurt Russell. No, I thought it was great. Uh, I will say this way Lisa Marie, uh, you know, has come out, and even Priscilla Presley have come out and said, this representation is the most accurate representation, she said, of my father ever. Oh, you know? wow. And, uh, you know, it's just watching the trailers, it's moved me so much because. The, and I'm reading a great, uh, a great biography of him, and it's it, this is not fiction from the movie. He essentially ignited the civil rights era because he was the one white guy that had been essentially raised with black people and knew their music and brought their music to America. Rock and roll was black music; it was sinful, mm-hmm. and he brought it. And he had all these black fans. He never had there was never a bone of racism in his body. Right? He was this open guy who loved playing for black people, interacting with black people. That changed that subtly. He didn't come out, he didn't have to talk about it, it just ch- subtly changed America. The culture, he changed the culture. It's always with the culture first, right? You know, um, oh, you know what I was listening to this weekend? I'm yes. just gonna tangent because one of my favorite, favorite songs is everybody thinks it's an Elvis song, or a lot of people do. It's mm-hmm. Conway Twitty's 1958, mm-hmm. It's Only Make Believe. Do you know that song? Mm-hmm. I do not know that song. Oh man, and <sighs> and people don't even realize it's him because. He's um, if he, he looked like Elvis, then he sang like Elvis. Mm-hmm. It was it was when Elvis was popular and everyone was kind of in that vibe, you know? yeah. yeah, and and it was his only. It was Conway Twitty's only uh, number one single ever on the pop charts, and it was huge at the time. And it it's so it's just so beautiful. G Man says, "Sing a couple of ours." Oh, yeah. no, I'm a terrible yeah. singer. But it's only make believe. Uh, anyway, it's, <laughs> it's it's in my truck. I sing, trust me, I sing it loud. But uh, then I took came- singing classes to discover I wasn't a good singer. And I said, you know, what? I don't take classes anymore. I just want to sing. I don't care if it's good. Yeah, I, I don't care. 
Ah, yeah, I'll do karaoke. My dad was a singer that could have been professional. Like he had a voice like Tom Jones. Like he could have been a big singer. And then I don't have any of it, which is really tragic. Yeah, I don't either. My <laughs> husband obviously is a good singer. I like listening to him. Yeah, I really want him to do this one. Six, but so then Con yeah, Comedy Twitty became country. And so people okay. don't know that song anymore, or they don't, or if they do, they don't realize it's him. And yeah. I, I actually think I know this we were talking about Elvis and now I'm talking about Conway, but that yeah. song, I actually think his vocals are even better than Elvis on that song. He does like a better Elvis than Elvis on that song. It's crazy good. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's that's you know if if people always ask me what would you go back if you could go back and tell me what would you tell I was like I I tell my younger self pick up a guitar learn how to sing you've got it somewhere in your genes from your dad find it and go become a rock star forget the screenwriter just forget all this crap there's nothing better than being a rock star that's the job that's the job yeah <laughs> I'm just laughing because G Man said okay that's enough no <laughs> no when I he told me to sing. Oh, I like it. I like it. I got to wind down in a few minutes. So is there, is okay. there a, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a call I'll get ready for in about half an hour. Yes. Is there, is there other stuff? I can talk another 10 minutes or so. Is there other stuff you want to Actually, I wanted to hear your thoughts because you texted me beforehand about Amber Heard and what? why is the media still supporting her even though she lost? What do you think? Well, you know, the whole issue with Amber Heard, there's two layers. Again, there's the objective layer and the a hidden truth layer. So let's look at the objective layer. The objective layer, because you know, for the last six years, they have the media, and that includes the Hollywood trades, that includes all the mainstream media, has presumed that Amber Heard, when she came out and said he abused me, like you know, six years ago, and put it out on, uh, on People magazine, these these photos of her alleged bruises on her face, right? That uh, you know, that he that she was telling the truth, and and Johnny Depp was a secret wife beater and all that, and uh, and. A lot of his fans were like, I don't know, that doesn't feel right, but some people bought into it. But it definitely destroyed his career. I mean, he was kicked out of Pirates of the Caribbean, kicked out of uh, you know that Rowling movie and whatever. And so it's uh, it ruined his career and his reputation. And he fought back. And as we all know, he won in the most recent, which I watched almost religiously. Right? It was like the mm -hmm. it was the OJ trial essentially. Yeah, everybody. yeah. And uh, and it was it, I watched all the live moments when you know she was on stand, and you, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I, and someone is lying so badly in front of a billion people watching right and so so and we all saw that and we're like well, this, this person's obviously lying this person's a pathological liar i mean it's obvious right i mean they're being presented with their pathological lies and they make up more stuff on the stand that doesn't make any sense it's obvious right so yet after that verdict was over hollywood was shocked they were really shocked they couldn't believe it and the media was shocked and they started putting out all these articles like how amber heard you know losses silencing domestic victims which is like well she's the abuser he's the victim so i don't understand that right so the objective thing behind that is that the media had bought into the narrative that Johnny Depp, as a white male, was obviously an abuser. And she's the perfect victim for what the narrative was, which is she's a lovely white woman. And I've often said, I've said on your channel, that in Hollywood, white women are actually in charge. Dave Chappelle has talked about it, right? You know, it's, it's white women who are basically, you know, they're the ones who are saying, oh, the evil white men, but they're sitting in a shotgun in the seat telling them where to drive, right? <laughs> All these evil white men drove us here. I was like, well, you told them where to go, right? He was just trying to make you happy, right? And so it's the white women that are in charge. And so she represented that entire facade of Hollywood, of, of, of the woke white woman. And, uh, and so they couldn't. But even now, with all after facing six weeks of obvious evidence that's now not disputable, you watch it, you see all the evidence, you realize this person's a pathological liar and a dangerous abuser. She mutilated him. She cut his finger off. I mean, this is not a normal yeah. person. Yeah. And she's an extremely dangerous psychopath, right? This is, a, and the, the evidence is there for Great. the whole planet. Something like 300 million people watched it worldwide, mostly on YouTube or whatever. But that, those are the record. Those, 300 million people watched it live. It's amazing, right? So 
And yet the media is just putting these to this day. She's going on and she's going to the Today Show and stuff and lying there, obviously, and saying stupid mm-hmm. things. And you're like, oh, this person's a bad actor. She obviously can't even cry. But I mean, it's obvious to everyone. So why are they gaslighting us? So on that level, they, they can't let go of that narrative because they, they invested in the white man bad, white woman good, and yes. white is the beater. That's the objective reality, right? There's a deeper reality. And this is all just from what I've heard from my Hollywood friends. Let's just say Miss Heard, as we know, Miss Heard likes to uh, secretly tape people. We saw that yes. from her husband, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's just say that uh, she apparently has quite a bit of blackmail on very powerful people, you know, in that sort of uh, eyes wide shut special parties yes. that you have to be special to get into, right? Which I've never been invited to. I'm like, dude. <laughs> these eyes wide shut parties. Oh mean. God, it's <laughs> whatever. They obviously, don't. They don't want me there. So, but the, 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 those parties are very real. I know people who I know people who've attended them, and they've told me some real remarkable stories who's, who they've seen there. So, yes, those things are real. So, um, let's just say she's got a lot of evidence on a lot of very, very, very powerful people, and these people put their guard down just like Johnny did because she's a lovely, beautiful woman, and they won't imagine someone could be that Machiavelli is actually taping them. Again, that's 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 an understood rule. But she's like, oh, like, oh, look at this nice video of you with that sixteen-year-old mm-hmm. girl at the wearing the nice devil's mask. Isn't that a nice video I've got? Oh, yeah. Suddenly, boom! Everyone's got to back it. And these journalists, you look at these journalists; they're being told to back it by their bosses who are at the parties. These yes. aren't journalists because you're like, why are you? You look at the trades, like, why are you guys sticking with this? Do you are are you random low level reporter on this news magazine care this much? No, you're being told by somebody who does care very much, you know, yes. to put this narrative out there because she's like, you guys don't do this. A lot of you know, a lot of leaking going on. Yeah, the TMC have certain pictures you don't. You want know to what? That, I reality. hadn't even thought of that, but that is so true. The sociopath that I I know mm-hmm. is a has someone who has admitted online that they that they they start collecting personal info on people to blackmail mm-hmm. them with later in case they need it on friends. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, of course Amber Heard was doing this, of course. But I also think there's some level of, I did see someone in the chat say, mm-hmm. uh, no one believes her now. And that's not true. There is still some level of true believers, just like with woke, just like, and you're like, how do people still believe this? How do they still believe this? Because, because, because they're invested in it. It's, it's yeah, they're invested in it. It's their identity. If, they, if the media lied about this, the media lied about other things that brings us. That's my mentor. My mentor, remember my mentors argued it. She argued with me about the Amber Heard thing. When I put it out there, she came out and defended all the media. And I said, look, you, you know that you know this isn't true. Why are you saying this? Right. Mm-hmm. And it, then she started having to make excuses. She's like, well, I'm sure Amber, I know Amber was deeply abused by many men and that's pushed her over the edge. I'm like, there's no evidence she was abused by anybody. All the evidence is that she was daddy's favorite girl and and that she abused her younger sister, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. And that, you know, that she was daddy's princess and she abused her younger sister. And now, you know, one of the things that, that's been suppressed that now the internet researchers are finding is she apparently killed somebody when she was in high yeah. school. She had a car accident. Right. And that sealed under 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 teenage, you know, you know, teenage record I that didn't even know had her, that. Yeah, her driver's license was suspended at the age of 17 for four years under Texas law. That can only be done for vehicular manslaughter. And there's been rumors for years that she killed someone in her high school, uh, either in a car accident or her best friend or her sister's best friend. And there's even stories that she actually that person had been banging her boyfriend in high school and she hit that person on purpose. Right. Lots Allegedly. of stories. 
Wow, alleged, I've got to look that up. Stories. What we do know is she had her license suspended for four years, which under Texas law can only be done under vehicular manslaughter or some other extreme cases. Four years is a, you know, for a teenager to be suspended and not, she had to come to LA as an actress. She had to use the bus because she wasn't allowed to have a license, even as a 20 year old, right? Wow. And, and so we now know that someone died from her, right? Those stories I've been hearing for years appear to be true. But again, the system is suppressing all of that. And Whatever. And people are saying, that, well, now her credibility has destroyed. You know, one of the interesting conspiracy theories, I think maybe true to it, is that you know, a lot of people have claimed that, that her ex-boyfriend, Mr. Musk, is financing her trial or whatever. But even Johnny Depp, in one of his early tweets that was presented in the trial, said, you know, Musk is, you know, Musk is financing her. He called him a very bad word. Musk is financing her, but he's giving her the worst lawyers on purpose. And no one, <laughs> no one went onto that tweet. I was like, that's what he obviously knows these people. He knows Elon Musk. He knows his relationship with his ex-wife. He knows. So when he put that in, when you put that in a, in a personal text to somebody, then I was like, oh, that makes sense. What if, what if, what if she has blackmail on Mr. Musk? And the best thing to do is destroy her credibility, give her crap lawyers who throw the case. Not that you yeah. could have won that case, but they were really bad lawyers. I mean, you're like, oh, these are, I mean, I, I mean I'm a first year law student. I could do better than this, right? And it's like they're throwing the case on purpose. Well, now she puts out any blackmail. Who's going to believe her? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. It is an interesting take. Okay. I've got one. I know you got to go. Just going to yeah. show you one thing really quickly. Yeah. So I did have people, I, again, because somebody in the chat was saying, well, nobody believes her anymore. No, there are still some people sure. who believe her. Um, you need to just, believe. Yeah. They need to believe her. There's always going to be people like that. Uh, I've learned that lesson that when you yes. think that everybody will have w surely woken up by now, no, there's always going to be someone who hasn't. <laughs> but so yeah. this is something I saw over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And this was an article where, well, this is a tweet I did about the article, but yeah. it was an article called Amber Heard's story is my story. And by the Ajiba thing, by the anonymous unknown writer. Yes. Yes. By the anonymous yeah. writer. And in it, this lady talks about how she was abused and she had to go through trial, all this stuff. And she says, She's a, she, she, her friend randomly met Amber Heard at some event and then Amber Heard like agreed to talk to her and listen to her story. And so here's what she says. This is from the article. She says, do you know what else I remember? I remember a friend of mine texting me one night in 2019 that she had just met Amber Heard. Amber was working with a charity my friend was involved with. The night my friend met Amber, she ended up telling her my story. After I got that text, I called her. And she gave Amber the phone to talk to me. Amber didn't just talk to me. She stayed on the phone for the better part of an hour, stepping away from the group of people she was with so she could listen to my story and offer me support and advice. Amber Heard, a celebrity who regularly had to change her phone number, gave it to me, a stranger, so she could continue offering support. I have never forgotten her kindness. Okay. Yeah, so, she did that for this reason, that one day you would do something like this. Yes, yeah, but I mean, also this other reason, because... A normal person might, who's not familiar with sociopaths might say, well, obviously this is evidence. If this really happened, this is evidence. She's kind. She listened to this. She listened to this abuse survivor's story for an hour. Okay. But I remember, I'm old enough to remember Belle Gibson. I don't know if you guys remember Belle Gibson. She was a influencer and health guru who had a book out and everything. Okay. She faked having brain, terminal brain cancer. And one of the things she did regularly when people still believed her was she would listen to the stories of little kids and people yeah. who really had terminal brain cancer. And here's, here's a headline, family of desperately ill boy for, 
fear that health guru Bell Gibson used her son to bolster her cancer claims. This is just one family who came out after she was her cover was blown after she was found out to be a con artist. They came out and said, yeah, all those hours she spent talking to my our son and talking mm -hmm. to us, she was milking us to steal details of our stories. Correct. Like that's so that Amber happens. as well. Amber used a, a rape story of her assistant and said it happened to me, right? Uh, that that's what yeah. they're doing. It's research. Yes, it's uh, research. The other example that is in Hollywood right now is there's a very famous television writer who's been exposed, Elizabeth Finch who was a top writer at Grey's Anatomy, who claimed all kinds of, I have this cancer and I have this and I've survived this and I've survived rape and all these things. And she basically took over the writer's room through guilt saying, I had all these horrible things happen to me. And she would then write all these, get all, write all the stories about those topics because everything happened to her. Right. Mm. Uh, and then, and what happened is that, so she, she got married to a woman. That woman eventually realized that my wife is a pathological liar and her every, her yeah. stories are stolen from everyone else, including me, including her brother. And all this. She's stealing stories. She's like, she's telling people stuff that happened to me and saying it happened to her. And so when, and then they went through a very acrimonious divorce. And then this woman, this very, she was sort of poor Midwestern nurse that this, that Elizabeth Finch glommed onto to control, right? And married. This woman then just emailed uh, Shonda Rhimes and said, did you know my wife is lying to you, has been lying to you for a decade? None of this happened. Wow. And Shonda's like, because uh, she gave this woman power. She's yes. one of the most powerful writers in Hollywood. And Vanity Fair just did an expose on her. Where basically, they uh, when they looked into it, they're like, oh, my God, this woman, this powerful writer has been lying for a decade. Her entire public persona. She did yes. article on article stealing other people's stories yes. and making herself a victim because it's all Munchausen's, right? It's all this thing. And so it's then she was asked to in order because it's a you know to preserve because Shonda Rhimes can't come out and say I was suckered I was a sucker can't say that right so they basically asked Elizabeth to just resign quietly and go away but it didn't go away because all these people are like she's a you know a lot of writers lost gigs to she would take their yes. writing I have to okay this is my kind of story I have to go read about this no, thank yeah. you I'm Cameron. gonna put, in the, I'm gonna put a link okay. in the article in the link in the in okay um I know that you have to run. I'm going to let yeah. you run. I saw one good uh, from, I, did, I mean, there were lots, but I only see a few of the, yeah. the things as they scroll by. There was one from Dion who said, I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Psychopaths need to study real humans because they can't human. Yes. Right. That's right. exactly. Right. They take, they, they wear skin suits of people. It's like taking pieces. of. You're living in me. We're living yes. in me. Yes. <laughs> You're right. Nice circle back. Yeah, Thank I you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. A nice welcome to Cameron for being back on the show. And we wish I'll you be well, back sir. Assuming I don't get a call from the current, my current, uh, you know, network. Okay. Saying, hey, so you're on Car Carrie's channel, huh? <laughs> I want to have you on with my friend, Juliet, who is a um, actress and was yeah. in Eyes Wide Shut and I, oh, I think you guys would have a great conversation. Yeah, okay. Great. You know, that, 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 that'd be fun. That's the closest I'm going to get to these damn parties. Is <laughs> cool. Oh, wait. Two super chats real quick. Sonora. Yeah, my friend Sonora. Hello. He says, you were awesome with FNT this past weekend. Damn, I wish I could have made the trip. I wish you could have too. I wish you didn't have to work. And he gives another super chat and says, also, my sister and her daughter, my niece, saw Lightyear and they hated it for obvious reasons. LOL. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the super chats. You guys have a good Monday. Have, have a good Monday. And uh, and I, I will add this on. Uh, go watch Miss Marvel. It's actually a good show. I was shocked. Oh, right. I, 
I was very skeptical of it because people were asking me about it in the chat. And I know that's not the opinion of a lot of uh, your friends on YouTube. Uh, but I, as someone, I haven't the, seen it. Uh, it's a, it is, you, it's, it's, you will love it. It's basically Little House on the Prairie with superheroes. It's actually a very traditional, conservative, socially conservative show. It's shocking because, you know, it was written woke and it was reshot completely. I have friends who worked on it. They reshot it over a year. They essentially, Bob Chapek said, yeah, I mean, this is not going to work. And now it is this wonderful 1980s family sitcom with conservative values. And that's not the official narrative that's on YouTube right now. But I have to plug it because I was very skeptical well, of the show. And I think people should check it out because this is the return of old school family traditional storytelling. And it's being misrepresented, in my view, by a lot of people that are like, mm -hmm. it's woke. I'm like, you're only saying that because it's a brown woman. Actually watch the show. It's like Little House on the Prairie. It blows me away. I haven't seen something like this in years. Well, I knew your opinion was different and I want to touch on, I'm sorry, we didn't get to talk about it. Yeah. So I, I do intend to check it out because I've heard varying opinions and yours is different from the ones I usually hear. So, okay. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you. Uh, what'd you say? I just, no, no, I said thank you. And I just, I just want to actually respond to one thing that's in the chat uh, that people ask, well, doesn't she hate her conservative values? No, she's a normal Muslim girl who, who's like, my parents won't let me go out. And I kind of resent that, but I kind of, I'm, I'm glad I have parents like that. That's my that's my life. Like I take care of my mom. Guess what? Oh, you're going to bring a date over to here? I don't know about that. And that is, that's our culture, man. And so watch it, guys. Watch it. I think you'll be surprised. Don't go with opinions. Actually watch it and then come to your own opinion. And see what you think. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Goodbye, sir. God bless. Bye. <laughs>